Hey everybody, happy Easter and welcome back to We Are Movies. Um, for this very special day, I'm doing something huge for the first time on this podcast that is about movies and run by a 20-something-year-old college student. We're actually covering a Quentin Tarantino movie, which is wild. We made it 34 episodes and this is our first time. <laughs> And I couldn't have chosen a better person to do this with. I recorded this episode with my friend Endegua McLeod. Um, he's an actor. If you go to plays around town or if you frequent NCG cinemas, uh, you probably know him. He's a great guy. And um, today we talked about Inglorious Bastards, uh, one of Quentin Tarantino's best films. Um, and I, in my opinion, one of the best movies from the last decade, this was a lot of fun, uh, per usual, well, I mean, at least per the current usual, this was recorded over zoom. Uh, we had new problems that we've never had before, um, in the sound. So, you know, it might sound a little weird at times as always DM me your complaints and I'll figure it out. And, uh, with all that noted, I hope you enjoy this episode of we are movies. Far back as I remember, yeah, yeah, that's all I was gonna like. Uh, because like I realized that, like in uh, the film group uh, on Facebook that we're both a part of, uh, because mm -hmm. I kind of wanted to since like I saw you and Aiden and Jesse Frawley actually all have like film podcasts, and I was I was thinking about this so hard, and then I was like, okay, Johnny's got it, I want to look like I'm copying him, so maybe <laughs> maybe I'll wait a few months to see if I really want to do this. And I was just like, oh no, two more people have film podcasts in the same area, <laughs> so I'm like, you know what. I'll just uh, I'll just create a group discussion for now. Let's just see yeah. what happens. Like, because uh, you know we're both part of the A twenty four film group, and like I do love being a part of the group, but I yeah. I like just having like doesn't matter what film, just whatever your opinion is, just like let's just talk about. Because I just yeah. love talking about like movies with people who just love them as much as me. Yeah. What at what point in your life was like? Do you think you realized you loved movies? I think it's the same just for you like it was probably just like since i can remember like like i like i know some people ask like what was the first movie you remember in theaters and i'm like i <laughs> i don't know but i i just remember just like having like a world that just like you can do anything in it uh you can be anything uh, do anything visually and then just like you know growing up like watching like like I just watched uh, a mirror by Tarkovsky and I was like, this is, I have to watch this again. Cause like, this is doing things I didn't even know like was possible in film. Yeah. And so it's like, I think just like, and it never changes. Like your opinion can change in the film, but a film, I guess, unless it's like a director's cut, <laughs> uh, it's always just the same. And like, I think that's a thing I've always been like in love with. It's just, I don't get anything I think in life uh, more happiness, maybe besides acting, than just like watching a movie and just like, oh, especially when it's really good. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, this is, whew, this is, this is great. It's such a great feeling, I think, especially to watch a movie that maybe you haven't read that many opinions about that maybe isn't told to you to be a classic but you yeah. just discover something and you feel like you're the first person to feel that way about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then on the great, flip oh, side, that's good. 
Yeah. And then addition, it's a great feeling to watch a classic movie and really love it because then it's like, oh, okay, I'm right. Like, <laughs> you know, I didn't yeah, find yeah. it boring. I'm like, oh, I love, you know, like when I rewatched Seven Samurai the other day, I was like, oh, I love this movie. And it's also a great movie. So we're. Like, I was just so awesome about to mention Seven Samurai. I'm like, yeah, I watched Seven Samurai. Oh, it's five stars. Oh, it's considered one of the best ones of all time. Case closed. <laughs> Good. You. I'm validated as a person. Uh, but then there's also, you know, there's so many. There's there's more great films in existence than we'll ever get to see in our lifetime. Right. So especially times like now when we have so much free time, I'm like, yeah. I kind of like want to buckle down and watch as much as I can, and then I feel guilty for every minute I spend rewatching Beverly Hills Cop Two or something because I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> could be watching more like you know Bergman movies or something. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, but that's the that's the thing. There was uh, uh it kind of reminds there was this on the A twenty four film group. Someone had like their top ten movies. They just put all time, and they I think had like four or five of them like from literally this past decade. But they also had like Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, right. and Fight Club, and you know. A lot of like widely considered great films would be on a lot of people's top tens list, and so like a lot of people were like attacking this guy, like, "Oh man, you even watch movies? Like, yeah. do you, have you seen a movie before the 21st century?" <laughs> and I'm like, "It's like you can like it's an opinion, you know, all of its opinion, and you mm. can like like phrase your." disagreement in a better way like someone was like oh you can't say anything about like these movies like it's uh, he posted on the public page but it's like you you don't call someone wrong you can say oh do you do you have you watched a lot of movies before said time like and they could say yes but like i and i love slower older films just like i assume you do but like sometimes you grew up on star wars lord of the rings and they're still considered great films and like it's i don't think just because uh oh your list isn't filled with black and white foreign films from the <laughs> silent era <laughs> that like doesn't validate that you still love movies and have an opinion yeah i especially and i could say this from doing the film studies program as you go on in life your standards of what is considered true cinema or what's considered, you know, like Kino by like, uh, you know, these like cinephile standards, it keeps changing. So like, I remember when I was 12 and I thought I was um, like, I I thought I was intellectually superior to all my friends because I loved Tarantino, (laughs) for example. I thought like Tarantino... Pulp Fiction's way better than, you know, Paul Blart Mall Cop, which is like, yeah, it's a good one. But then... What a double feature. Right, right. And the time passes, and you're like, oh, Pulp Fiction, apparently this is normie movies. Um, I need to watch, like, you know, Hitchcock. I need to watch Kubrick, you know. the, the But then yeah. you get into film studies, and then there's people that are like, oh, yeah, those are, those are the normie movies. He's like, you ever watch Tarkovsky? And then it's like, you meet people who are like, dude, if it's not Battleship Potential, I don't even touch it. It, it <laughs> yeah. just keeps getting older till you meet the guy whose favorite movie is Boxing Cats or something, and he won't <laughs> watch anything after. A trip to the moon. That is original cinema. <laughs> a trip to the moon. Nothing anything, yeah. <laughs> anything after that train arriving at the station movie, I consider just pure trash. Uh, uh, but yeah. but yeah, I mean, it's it's always. I think there's an environment. I like you know the group that you started because it is this environment where we all live 
we can just talk about all of these different kinds of movies. You know, you could talk mm-hmm. about Paul Blart Cop if you want to. You could talk yeah. about Battleship Potemkin or <laughs> Nosferatu <laughs> or whatever, you know, yeah. stuff that you watch in film school. So um, I want to bring up, uh, since I brought up Tarantino, I want to ask what's, uh, what was your introduction to Tarantino? I've been, I was thinking about that yesterday. Um, I'm trying to think what I watched first, honestly. Um, it might have been Kill Bill. Now that okay. I think about it, like I'm like 2004 because I, I was born 96, so like that would make sense. I'm like eight years old, <laughs> I think, like uh, seven, eight years old. Yeah, when because what was a Kill Bill Volume One like a year before Volume Two? I think. I think either that or like the beginning and end of the same year. They were yeah. about a year apart. Okay, because so like I guess that age range probably makes sense. But yeah, I remember watching that and like I was like, this is amazing. Like it's just so cool, yeah. like so stylish and just like it. I because I don't think I watched like uh, spaghetti westerns at that time. So for me, I think it was all like this is really cool with like older music and uh, I don't know why sometimes describing things I go to like Seth Rogen like oh it's so cool ah, <laughs> I got this and I got that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. Like just. Like I remember the crazy the AIDS fight, the the fight between like Vivica A. Fox just with like the gun, the cereal box. And I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> and then like I think after that I may have come to Inglorious Bastards and then maybe I watched uh Reservoir Dogs and then Pulp Fiction, I believe. And then because I've seen all of Tarantino besides uh is it Death Proof, or was that Robert Rodriguez? Uh, Death Proof was Tarantino's in the Grindhouse double feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, so that's the only one I still haven't seen. I saw Jackie Brown for the first time, like, two, three years ago in uh, Studio C, actually. And I was like, yeah, because I know that's your number two, if I'm not uh, mistaken, uh, like, for your Tarantino film. Personally, yeah, yeah, I think it is. I, it's, it's hard, because it, it might be for mine or number three at least because it's so good i was like he made this in 97 this is like older tarantino but in the 90s i'm like what this is amazing so different (laughs) but it's so cool well and and i think as a tarantino fan that movie is so refreshing because it's not quite his usual thing uh the characters because usually tarantino movies the characters are all cool and yeah uh, they are cool in Jackie Brown, but it's very, it feels like more revisionist than his other movies because they're also all kind of old and miserable and mm-hmm. <laughs> they're more insecure than a usual Tarantino character is. Uh, you know, Robert Forster, like, rest in peace. Oh, uh, yeah, so good. So good. <laughs> but um, you, and Glorious Bastards is your number one, is that right? Yeah, I. Uh... I I remember when I saw it, I was like, I, I think it was probably the opening scene. Like, I remember <laughs> watching that in a theater, probably, what, like 13 years old. And I was just like, holy shit. This scene, this character, like Hans Landa, this yeah. scene, it's just, and, and he's like so polite in that scene, basically. So I'm like, what is this? Yeah. And then just like the, re- like the reveal, like, I just... I think I just like it was like everything I loved about Tarantino just like it was impeccably edited it was just so good it's like only six scenes in the movie anyway so that's why I thought it was funny that like it 
it never gets boring. Like it always just flows and you're so invested in like the dialogue. And I was just like, these characters like Hans Landa, like Brad Pitt. Yeah. Uh, I was like, I want my Nazi scouts. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's just so good. I just, I just, it, everything I want, like the violence, the, the dialogue, just, just, it looks so beautiful. Like, yeah. He, he also, I think one of Tarantino's strongest uh, ass, like w- one of his strongest assets. And I think what's done in this movie to perfection is just his like knack for tension. Um, mm, yeah. Cause that, that opening scene that you mentioned, which might just be my favorite scene in the movie. Cause yeah. it's like 20 minutes long and you're on your edge. you the seat your whole time, the whole time, the way he re- chooses to reveal information, I think is really smart um how you don't know that the jewish family is under the floorboards until a certain point in the scene when it pans down yeah um and then also the fact that you never know at what point hans landa knows that they're there you th- he probably maybe knows they're there the whole time but you don't really know that he knows until he reveals it when they're speaking english at the end yeah and that's that's like what's just so great like the, like the tension that seemed like yeah you don't know when he knows like i was watching last night i actually took some notes because <laughs> i was Good. like i gotta know um yeah but like i was also wondering that same thing because it's almost like he just maybe knew ahead of time because i was like looking to see like when does he like figure it out because like when he's telling the story about like uh you know like people He's like, you know how like they call like Jews rats and they think mm-hmm. it's like a bad thing. But he's like, I think it's a good thing. But like a rat would like survive and hide and stuff. And uh, I, I always like that when he's, uh, what's, he, what's his name? Uh, La Petite. When like Yolanda is talking to La Petite and he's just like, would you treat a squirrel with the same hostility as a rat? And he's just like, no. Well, rats have diseases. Oh, that was the plague. Come yeah. on. It's not the same. And then like. <laughs> He's just like I would. I look where the rat would hide, and then because I remember it was like a like a two shot, and I think it like rotates, like it breaks like the hundred eighty degree rule. Mm-hmm. And I remember it went and they flipped sides. Like I think Londa originally was on the left, then he's on the right side, and I was like, what? And then I think like twenty seconds later, that's when that pan down to the floorboards happens, and yeah. I was like, this is like Hitchcock. it it is and um yeah well yeah it's hitchcock's old uh that thing he said about the the bomb under the table right you know it's surprising if a bomb just goes off but if you establish the tension by telling you there's a bomb under the table but the characters aren't aware of it that makes the payoff greater so like if the scene, I think in a lesser movie, you wouldn't reveal that they're under the floorboards until they just start shooting under the floor, you know? But instead yeah. you have this you have this hanging thing over the entire scene because you know that they're there and you know that La Petite knows they're there. And um, yeah. And and you were talking about how because uh, Christoph Waltz's performance in this is is incredible. And um Hans Landa is such a polite, charming character, and that's so disarming to the people that he talks to. And you realize how brilliant that is. Uh, there's all these like, these these little aspects, like when they take out their pipes, and he has that bigger pipe. Oh my god! Like the phallic. oh, they're like those ginormous, like comically large pipes. Yeah. It's like what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Which is hilarious. Uh, uh, and yeah. he, and I think uh, just. Tarantino rides that tension, comedy, shock, you know, line 
so well. Like all of those things happen in that scene. Um, and that's a great like thesis statement for the rest of the movie. Cause then, you know, you don't know at all. Cause also speaking of Londa and what, how we don't know what he knows, you never know if he knows that Shoshana is the theater owner later in the movie. You yeah. get the hint that he might, but that's never confirmed. Yeah. I, I was, I've been thinking about this for like years. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I actually like was like looking up yesterday to other people's theories. Cause I was like, what do people think? Like I found, so I found out something I like, uh, I think this may have been one of the IMDb facts. So take it with a grain of salt, but <laughs> I guess I think it was in the cafe scene, uh, that, um, like a lot of like, uh, of the pastries of that time, um, would have like some type of like pork in it. Mm. So like, I supposedly some people think that like he knew that like if if no if thinking is that uh Londa knew Shoshana was Shoshana in that scene so that's why he was like to uh to uh oh my gosh I forgot what the, the pastry they get yeah and he gets the he's like wait for the cream that yeah yeah they put it on and yeah I was like, because it's like you don't know but like I because I was thinking like if he does know because uh, I was like, well, why doesn't he just stop her? Because he did let her get away, which I assume he likes that, like, uh, the chase. Yeah. But then maybe he doesn't stop her because this is, what, like, a couple, three days from the, like, end where he's, like, uh, he wants the plan, well, the plan to kill Hitler. So I guess, I don't know if he knows at that point. Cause so maybe, because I was thinking if he did know about some plan to possibly, ha- like, do something at that theater maybe he doesn't want to ruin it but i don't think he knows so maybe that actually doesn't matter (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. it would make sense that he does know because at the end you find out that he's not really personally invested in the third reich like he's kind of in it for himself uh because the way that he's willing to just sell them out for you know an easy life and Mm -hmm. that also kind of it's funny because at the end he's not trying to be antagonistic to the main guys he's like all right i'll help you out and you know i'll i'll be on your side but he's yeah. just unfortunate enough that he's talking to brad pitt who is very convicted in his nazi killing but <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> uh, it's just like oh, that's a good deal it's just like you make that deal like and then just uh cut down to uh uh DJ Novak's cutting like the scalp off the guy. Like, yeah, I make that deal, Captain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just so funny. Well, uh, and I, I like that exchange. The like, you'll be shot for this, and he's like, Nah, I'll be chewed out. But I've been chewed out before, and it's like yeah. this comparison of like their culture versus ours. Like, we're not gonna shoot a yeah. guy for that, but we'll yell yeah, at it's him. So funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny actually about the uh, cafe scene. Um, so I went to, this is 2020 now, I went to Berlin in uh, 2018, and I actually saw, I actually found out, like, that cafe scene was actually, took place in this cafe in Berlin called Cafe Einstein, and I was like, I have to go here, and I actually went to where they filmed that uh, scene, and I was like, this is so cool! Uh, <laughs> I didn't think that the pastry I had looked as good <laughs> as it did like from like right. nine years earlier, but I'm like, I'll let it slide. It was, <laughs> it was still pretty good. The pastry uh, does also, look delicious in the movie. Like the shot yeah. of it. And when the cream goes on, 
It's like only yeah. a master director <laughs> can make something. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I, it's funny because I, I wanted to take, I took a few pictures, but I, I didn't want to be like awkward, just like taking pictures. Like, because it wasn't like a fine dining place, but some people were very well dressed. And I didn't want to be just like, oh, let me just like uh, pan over and take some uh shots real quick oh hey dude you want to be in my picture like who are you <laughs> like uh i'm an american who loves tarantino <laughs> right right <laughs> just let me be <laughs> i well I, I want to talk a little bit about the the point in tarantino's career that he did this because he <laughs> this was kind of his comeback to be like this was i think the first time in a while he was nominated for oscars for his movie yeah yeah um, and because he had that after Jackie Brown, you know, he did Kill Bill volumes one and two and then did Grindhouse, which are not, you know, Oscar darlings, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he came back with this. And I've always thought that I'm wondering what you think of this. My feelings about Tarantino is I think he's kind of this wonderful manipulator of the Academy and people who, you know, look for high art in their films because really he's like he loves exploitation and like uh pulpy genre movies and he just he reshapes them to make something that's very him and then tricks people into like people who maybe don't totally get it are like oh this must be you know this this must be like the, the, this is Oscar fair here, you know? Like, yeah. he easily makes, like, the funnest movies that are ever nominated for Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Like, like, like hearing you, like, talk about it, yeah, it almost seems like it shouldn't work. Like, people right. shouldn't like Tarantino, like, who are in, like, the Academy. Yeah, because it's like, I, there's tons of filmmakers who are, like, super, like, Tarantino, like, passionate about movies that yeah. maybe don't get, like, Oscar or haven't gotten, like, Oscar claim. So it's, yeah, it's so interesting that, like, somehow he's able to like cut through just like make his movies just so impeccably well made like use just the right actors at the right time in their careers yeah like because well, that's know, part like, of it too uh, he gets great actors that are very well respected too yeah that you know gets that his movies on the cloud yeah, yeah. um I, I heard like a, like a Melanie, Melanie uh, Laurent who plays Shoshana like yeah. I guess Tarantino like at first approached her but then was like I don't know if you're perfect for the role she was like why well because I know you're like really famous in your country and like I don't know if I want like a, like a famous person like in this role I kind of want like an unknown she's like no 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 I'm not famous I'm not famous please put me in this movie <laughs> yeah. and I was like that's funny that's funny like, also uh, famous in France is different from you know being Brad Pitt those are the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, so funny like uh um it reminds me of portrait of the lady on fire yeah because uh, like i for, i think it's adele hanel who's the one who's being painted mm -hmm. uh but like i guess i found out like after the movie like she's like a famous french actress so like the reveal for us like oh i've never like i've never when she seen turns around yeah 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 and they're like and it's just like hi i'm Adele Hanel, and this is a beautiful movie. <laughs> right. It was like for like French people, it was like, oh, it's like if like Brad Pitt turned around, like, yeah, it's Brad Pitt. Like, yeah, I mean, beautiful, but like, it's Brad Pitt. <laughs> they do a similar entrance with Melanie Laurent too in the movie, where how she's up like up the ladder uh, working on her theater, and um, yeah. Daniel Bruhl is like trying to flirt with her, and then she comes down from the ladder and turns around, and <laughs> it's like a it's a bit of a, like an entrance, uh, but. I think, obviously, like, you know, Tarantino wears his inspirations on his sleeve, 
there's another movie called Inglorious Bastards that except right spelled correctly yeah, I forgot <laughs> yeah it was like an old uh similar like a world war ii exploitation kind of movie with fred williamson and obviously he's taking inspiration from that there's a bit of dirty dozen too um in this and uh and then he also you know i, I know he's a uh he loves people like sergio leone obviously i think he said good the bad and the ugly is like his favorite movie of all time um, yeah, yeah. And the way that he, you know, plays on actors' personas, I think is very similar to how people like, like if you've seen Once Upon a Time in the West, the way that he casts Henry Fonda as the villain, and there's this right after Henry Fonda's killed a family in Once Upon a Time in the West, the camera like comes around and reveals that the person was Henry Fonda, and that's shocking because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he was like the Tom Hanks of his time, you know? Yeah, and like, so this good guy, juror number eight from Twelve Angry Men, huh? <laughs> 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 and, and so Tarantino does similar things, like in this movie, Brad Pitt, you know, handsome leading man, he puts like a mustache and like a scar across his neck and like oh, a yeah. dirty, you know, like Southern accent, and oh, uh, so perfect. Yeah, and totally reshapes him, and it's one of Brad Pitt's best roles. Yeah, honestly, I'm like looking at like like last night because I remember I was listening to uh, this other podcast. Uh, I don't know if you know the next. No, not that's the wrong one. It was the the big picture on the Ringer. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. I like listening to that podcast. They're they're like, they're a mixture of, like fun and like not like snobby like some podcasts where i'm like all right all right they're like i don't know about these avengers movies i'm like ah here we go again (laughs) but uh they were talking about like brad pitt's career i think uh during like like last year when once upon a time in hollywood came out and they were like doing like top five brad pitt roles and they were talking about glorious bastards um and because at first i think one of them was they liked it but they were like i don't know if this is like good but like it's fun but then i was like no, this is like actually good. Like he is committing, like, and he's like his accent never wait like waiters. He's so fucking hilarious yeah. in like every scene. I'm like, that's still like great acting, <laughs> right? Well, and I mean, 2000. I think what was this movie? 2009. Yeah, 2009. Uh, um, you know, Brad Pitt's more famous in 2009 than he is now in 2020. Yeah. And so when you have an actor that's a movie star to the, you know to the extent that Brad Pitt is, he doesn't need to flex in terms of acting, you know? He could easily just do gigs where they, you know, he's in it, he shows his face, they put his name on the poster. (laughs) But it's, you know, it seems like everybody who's in a Tarantino movie really wants to come to work, you know? They all want to flex and uh, try things. Uh, You know, you have actors like Leonardo DiCaprio who, like who does his movies and is doing committing to these types of characters that he's never done before too. Like everyone's trying to prove themselves in a Tarantino yeah. movie, which I think is really, no matter how famous they are, I think that's yeah. really cool. Uh, yeah. It's always, yeah, it's always amazing. Like, um, I was watching like some behind the scenes stuff with Tarantino like the other day. And it was like, I think they were on set for Pulp Fiction and like just seeing like, well, like eight years removed, uh, Bruce Willis. Like, <laughs> I imagine like kind of being nervous, like being, like they're having the direct Bruce Willis, like it's fucking yeah. Bruce Willis. Like he's already <laughs> done what two Die Hard movies at this point, three maybe. If I think three, yeah, because yeah, he, he yeah. already had no hair by the time Pulp Fiction happened, right? So he That's was right. <laughs> I think three movies in, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just like 
he looks like everyone looks like they're like, oh, this guy knows something. I'm going to work hard for this. And that's why right. I think it's really cool. Like uh, what like some actors seem to have that like, oh, no, I don't know if I should if, uh, like they're kind of scary or like they're kind of rude because they're like, I am this giant A-list actor and you, you, ma'am, also are some <laughs> two bits first time director. You don't tell me where the camera is. I tell you. <laughs> but like Tarantino, I feel like early on, like had this like respect because it's probably his, like his breadth of knowledge. Yeah. And, like now being Tarantino, like right. the legend, the myth, the man, the foot fetish <laughs> lover. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I think like every, yeah, everyone wants to be in it. And uh, right. I didn't like, I didn't know like Samuel Jackson was the, I didn't, I, maybe I didn't know this. I should say like, was the narrator the first Maybe yeah, a couple times in he comes movie? in, he comes in like twice. He does when they d- describe Hugo Stiglitz oh, and his, love that. Uh, and then he also describes uh, nitrate film later on, I think. Yeah. Oh, that Hugo Stiglitz entrance is like, his intro yeah. is just so <laughs> fucking cool. Yeah, like the music. Yeah. And like how the bastards just like, like just come out the sides. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, he's just like, we, we, we love your work. You want to go pro? <laughs> <laughs> I love, because um, uh. the way uh, up until Hateful Eight, Tarantino never had an original composition. Uh, yeah. for his soundtracks. He always reappropriated old movie scores and then songs and, and stuff like that. And it's really funny growing up on Tarantino movies. And like just recently I've been on this, been going back and watching a lot of old spaghetti Westerns and I've discovered a lot of music from Tarantino movies where they originally came from, which yeah, is really, really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he does it. So like he, in a way he's like a DJ, but for movies, you know? Yeah. So weird. Yeah. Just like, man, you were like, especially having to have like such like a, expansive knowledge of film to be like i don't need a score i'm gonna pick my own song so like you need to know movies and the songs or i guess you could just know songs in general and just like all right i'm gonna pick that there put that there so like it's like i can't imagine like what his like record collection like probably would be at his house well yeah and it's he he does these uh he's not a hack in that it's like oh i'll reference something people know because they'll react to that. He's like, he's a guy who is so shaped by all these things, these other movies he's seen, and he has very particular visions with it. It's like, I, when I watch a movie where he reuses a score from, um, uh, th- th- like there's there's a lot of scenes in Django Unchained, for example, where he uses like theme songs from other Westerns. And I'm like, I can imagine him writing the script going, this theme song from this Western is going to go here. It can't be anything else. Yeah. You know, it's not just like, let's throw a reference in. Because also, a lot of his references are so obscure, the mainstream audiences aren't going to pick up on him anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah, because like a lot of his music, I think sometimes I also don't know, but I'm like, this is awesome. Like, yeah. it was like watching uh, like the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Like, I didn't know yeah. a lot of those songs. So, like, I was like, oh, this is like really nice. <laughs> now I listen to them all the time. <laughs> Guardians 2. Side note, one of my favorite soundtracks of recent years. <laughs> it's so good. Like, yeah. just both of them. But, yeah, I, I like, like, the twangy feel, like, of Guardians 2 soundtrack. Like, yeah. it's just James Gunn. He is great. Um, yes. Let's say, speaking of uh, music, um, in, like, I think it was, like, Chapter 3, uh, when, like, they're at the uh, lunch table and, like, 
I forgot his name, but he's just like, oh, there's Londa. And there's like cut music cues, like, dun, 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 yeah. dun. like when Londa's <laughs> behind her and you just see Shoshana's face and it's just like panned up to Londa. And it's just yeah. like, oh, shit. You can feel that anger boiling inside of her because that's the, yeah, you know, yeah. the guy who ordered the death of her family. And uh, <sighs> brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that whole that- rest of that scene is like, just like amazing like when like i love when like everyone leaves like gets up to leave and like like uh like shoshana's about to get up too but then londa like just puts her back down it's just <laughs> like i'm not done with you yet and it's just like oh no but like the camera stays on her face as everyone else is already standing up so like yes. you only see them i'm like it's just so like perfect just like my god well, yeah all that dialogue's happening right above the frame and yeah. um uh, I, I like like what uh, Daniel Brule kisses her her hand to leave, and so he like picks her hand out of frame, and, yeah. and then her hand goes back into frame. Like, because Tarantino, you know, he's looking at the scene. He's like, "What are we focusing on emotionally? We're focusing on her. She's not really taking into account all these other people." So, like, I think a lesser director would be like, "Oh, we just got to get the coverage of all these actors," but right, right. this is very it's very specific. It's very this is the thing that we're invested in is her. It doesn't matter yeah. what faces they're making, you know? Um, and that's, I think, so smart. Uh, and it, it's funny because it's less work to get less coverage, but also right. just shows so much more intent. Well, and I think uh, over time, as you know, as I get older, I start to think more about that when I watch movies, about mm. how much of this is necessary, you know? Um, Same, yeah. Like... I don't know. Did you did you see did you see Bohemian Rhapsody? I, I did. <laughs> you know I the did. infamously edited scene where they're all yes. sitting at the table. <laughs> like, but, and that's the thing. Like, I'm like sometimes with like editing, and then sometimes with uh, like just like plot twist. Yeah, I'm like a fucking idiot sometimes. So like <laughs> when I know it's bad, it must be just horrendous. Like if I like a, <laughs> predict a twist or like the editing, but I just was in the theater watching it like. Bohemian Rhapsody, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, what was right. that? What's going on? Why are there so many cuts?" <laughs> it's I can't so awkward. Well, yeah, and I could tell that at the time. I was like, "This is awkward and weird," but then you all you think about it, and also it's just the fact that the editing had no intent. There was never I, they weren't cutting to something based on something happening in the scene. It was like, uh, "Here's Freddie. Here's the other guys. Here's the guy talking. Here's Freddie again. We haven't shown him in a second. <laughs> and yeah. it's like trying. I forgot to, what his face looked like in the last like point three seconds. So let me show <laughs> you it one more time, just to make sure." <laughs> right and um and, and then there's tons of other movies like there's um you know t- take it three i remember this famous scene oh, where, the uh, fence. yeah liam neeson <laughs> jumps over the fence and i think there's seven different cuts and it's like i get it you is. got all the f- <laughs> you got all the coverage for safety that's great you don't have to use all of it <laughs> yeah that was also i remember in the theater like watching like i was like wait what He's just jumping one fence. And I'm like, I guess it's probably a stump double maybe in there, possibly. I was like, all right, Taken 3. Yeah, <laughs> oh, God. Taken 3, it's like one of those movies that you feel like the entire movie was directed by the second unit, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like, was the director like, ah, I just, I got a lot of the wire to catch up on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just let the second unit just point, point the cameras at the things that are happening, and that's yeah. what's going to be in the movie. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so it, yeah, it's so refreshing every time like a movie, like a Tarantino movie, comes out because you know everything about it is so. 
to even if they're not perfect it's all with done with precision you know he doesn't yeah. have extra shots in there just because he got them it's all mm-hmm. has a lot of intent um yeah which is but a very sm- oh, movie snobby thing for me to say anyway what were you saying <laughs> oh no i'll just say um i just kind of wanted to bring up editing with tarantino so like uh, uh like so Every movie up till, uh, including uh, Inglorious Bastards, I know was with his same editor, uh, Sally Menke. Sally Menke, that's yeah. How you say her name. Yeah, and Rest like after she, yeah, <laughs> she's, I mean, just so great. Like, like I found out that uh, that like this movie was originally, I think, like the original cut was like three hours and like three minutes, and then like they, and I think it was like a couple days before they were about to show it, and mm. they edited down actually to the like runtime now like to like 28 30 or something in two days and i'm like in two days like <laughs> like just you're just so good at just like like trimming the fat and like whatever i mean i still would like to see the cut yeah. scenes but like i because like, i don't know how about you but i uh and i guess this would get into like opinions of like the uh the last three he's made but i've felt even though in my last three django is my favorite out of uh, Hateful Eight and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. Um, I felt in all of them uh, lesser in Django, but like that the editing kind of sometimes isn't as great. Or to me, like there's maybe a scene that I'm like, is this as essential as it has to be? Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't I know agree. your thoughts on it all. I agree. Cause yeah, Sally Menke passed between Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think you can feel her absence a bit because it's not uh, the editing isn't quite as efficient in his later movies. You feel a lot more like the editors just kind of let everything go in. I think especially in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's a lot of scenes where they're like, uh, you know, where she might have been a little more intuitive and in, uh, figuring out how to make the movie work as one flowing cohesive whole. Uh, especially, I think, in Inglorious Bastards and, um, sorry, not Inglorious Bastards, in Hateful Eight and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's a, a key point in both of those movies where the movie narratively takes a turn. Uh, I think both of them use narration. Uh, Tarantino himself like does the narration in Hateful Eight, <laughs> and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Kurt Russell's narrating for some reason. And... Um, <laughs> the the way they take a turn it feels a little like i don't know i guess this is <laughs> like get 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 a narrator in there and say that time passed i don't know like I don't, we, we filmed yeah. this we filmed this i don't know how to connect it so <laughs> you do feel like some of her ingenuity was missing a little bit in those and i i like those movies but it, yeah, it does yeah, feel quite as tight yeah um, i think that's like i know if i'm not mistaken pulp fiction's your favorite tarantino yes yeah i'd say so i I want to like I've it's funny I've seen Pulp Fiction actually all the way through only about like two or three times but I've seen separate parts of it like halves or like just like specific scenes maybe like eight times like almost (laughs) each it's like really weird like like because I remember actually I got to uh do 
uh, the Ezekiel, Ezekiel 25-17 monologue in a nice. play uh, two years ago. It was like my character, literally like my character, worked at a movie theater, which I also do. <laughs> uh, well, not right now because they're all close. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, like worked at a movie theater, black guy, uh, 20, which I was when I got cast and had the same shoes I had in auditions. And uh, the glasses, like I was like, this is creepy. Like I was like, <laughs> what's happening? Like he's a theater usher, just like I was a movie theater usher. And I'm like, what's happening? And like at the end of the play, like because you hear like uh, like drop, like oh yeah, this like I my character he can do Ezekiel twenty five seventeen, but he sounds like a shy person. But like after some dramatic things happen uh, near the end, he like he gets to do it and. I was like, oh, that's awesome. I get to yeah. do the Ezekiel 2517 monologue. But I, I was like, because at first I was trying to do like a Samuel Jackson impression, but I realized like it kind of, but kind of wasn't because he's such an iconic voice. So like, right. I was like, I'm just going to do like the inflections that he hits. And like, it is pretty fucking fun like to do <laughs> that monologue. Because it was like that, the one he does when like, uh, with the briefcase well when they're in the first scene together uh finding the briefcase and then later on when uh they have like they're in the restaurant mm-hmm. and i did that part too and the i'm calmer like this version. is yeah yeah the yeah. calmer version and i'm like <laughs> this is like the, this one of my favorite dialogues just this is of all time it's oh yeah so great yeah it, i i also remember that monologue by heart just like from rewatching those scenes <laughs> so many times. That's a movie that so many people, like you said, watch fragmented because so many like individual scenes just stand out and work. And you're just like, oh, I just want to see like the scene when Marvin gets shot in the face again. Like I just want to, you yeah. know, <laughs> um, and like you're in a mood and you're like, I want to watch the scene from Pulp Fiction. Um, yeah. But speaking of which, I when I was in a theater class, uh, either late middle school, or early high school, and um, I we had to do monologues and most people were doing monologues from plays which might have been a good idea because I chose uh Brad Pitt's monologue at the beginning of Inglorious Bastards uh, nice. the whole which is an entire scene the, the whole monologue yeah. <laughs> um you know his whole like I didn't fought my way through half of Sicily uh or, <laughs> I it's um not about y'all. Basher as hell didn't come down from the goddamn Smoky Mountains, fight my way through half of Sicily, and jump out of a fucking aeroplane, teaches Nazis lesson in humanity. And that whole thing, like, I, I loved it so much, and I was especially obsessed at that time. And I think, but because of that, I could only do an impression of Brad Pitt's character in the movie. I, right, I couldn't right. give a personal spit on it, because I was like, this is the way it's done. Like, this is yeah. how... It, and it wasn't like a play monologue where it's interpretable to people. To me, it was like I heard it the first time in my life coming out of Brad Pitt's <laughs> mouth that way, and I couldn't do it another way, you know? Yeah. It's so hard, like, yeah, like, because I remember when I started, like, theater in high school, like, because, you know, I, my theater knowledge was, like, close to none almost, but, like, you know, movie knowledge, super big. So, like, I was like, oh, no, I got to – we can do like a monologue for the first one. We could do like a play or a movie. And I'm like, Oh God, thank God I can do a movie. And I did a uh, Randy's monologue from uh, scream two when he's talking <laughs> about like sequels. Yeah. <laughs> I love that whole franchise so much. Like, uh, and, it's a great franchise, yeah. and it's also terrifying when you realize that you're Randy as a movie lover. You're yeah, like, I was I'm like, Randy. oh my god, you're fucking 
Randy's. <laughs> two Randy's. That'd, that'd be a fun podcast. Just talk about screen. <laughs> just like every, just talk about like every like five minutes of a screen movie until we run out of movies. But like, well, he's not even in three and four. But like, if he was, he's not. He's spiritually there. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, because he's the spirit of those movies. But I, like, for a quick tangent, I. I've uh, been doing the, these double feature parties at my uh, apartment and I stand up and I like introduce the movies beforehand. And that's when it really <laughs> dawned on me. I was like, Oh, this is, I'm Randy right now. Like, yeah, I'm doing, he literally does that. He's like, you don't know the rules. <laughs> Talking about oh, Jamie Lee God. Curtis's breasts and movies. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, oh yeah. Uh, like, so Pulp Fiction. So that's your favorite. Where does Inglorious rank? Then I for you? think it's like number three. I'd say. Okay. I think yeah, is it's it, very high up. Is it? Are they all like that? And Jackie Brown and Pulp Fiction? Are they all like five stars for you? Yes. Yeah. If people can um, check my letterbox to concur, but I think yeah, uh, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, and Inglorious Bastards are all like five stars. I think after that, you go into the 4.5s. Um, mm-hmm. I do really like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, despite its faults, because I think it's sort of the closest he's come to doing a Jackie Brown kind of story yeah. again. Um, and then I don't know where the bottom is. The bottom's probably, I mean, the, the worst movie is definitely Death Proof. Um, mm-hmm. Even though I do, I, I highly recommend watching the whole Grindhouse double feature, like the, yeah. with the fake. Like, if you get the Blu-ray, it's, like, the whole thing with the fake trailers and everything in between. Oh, Uh, cool. That's the way to watch it, I think. And it's fun, but it's definitely, like, most of his movies, they throw back to cult movies and exploitation movies, but they all kind of, you know, surpass them a bit. They kind of transcend. And the Death Proof is more like a straight parody or, like, a mock-up of that kind of movie. So it doesn't have the same amount of satisfaction as the usual Tarantino movie. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I think he's yet to do a bad movie or a movie I don't like. I don't know if, if you feel the same way. Yeah, no, I, I would say even like not seeing Death Proof, which I, I do want to, I just want, I want to see both of the Grindhouse movies, uh, eventually, uh, soon. Um, yeah, no, I don't think there's any movie I would consider because even like with like, and you, you've seen my letterbox like yeah. stuff on, uh, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, it was kind of just like write down all my thoughts because i'm like i don't know what to say what's in my mind on paper uh or i guess online um yeah but like even then with all the things i don't like at once upon a time in hollywood and some i like maybe really don't like the things that i love and are so great like it's still like a three and a half out of five for me that's that's like a testament to like how amazing the things that do work like personally for me like in that movie it's just like it's still a really, really good movie. Like it's yeah. better than like like most movies you would see. Like it's <laughs> like, it's hard. Like I kind of want to see a bad Tarantino movie. Like I wonder what how that would be. Right. <laughs> I do definitely think over time he's gotten self indulgent in a way that's like yeah. I understand him retiring at ten movies because at this point I've kind of thought. He either doesn't have a whole lot of range or he just doesn't really want to do much outside of what he's done. And so he sees his limits. That could be it. Mm. Um, But he does what he does so well. You know, I see him kind of being like, you know, this is as far as I'm going to go with the movies I make. Like, I don't know if I have much more to say. Um, And so I get that. And, and, 
I, I do think every, most filmmakers are better, I think, working like against it's art, art versus adversity, right? Like mm-hmm. art, it's like so many people are so much better when they're underdogs. And so I do right. think, um, you know, that the, the originality of like Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, uh, you know, even though I do like a lot his later stuff, and some of it I like more than like Reservoir Dogs. It's like he isn't gonna he come close to that like having to have something to prove that he did when he was younger. You know? Yeah. Um, because he he did come during. I think the '90s is a very important time for movies because uh, after it was like after because you had the '70s big like auteur movement. You had uh, all these guys like Spielberg and Scorsese and Coppola, like all of them you know, at the same time at De Palma. And then the eighties was like a very industrialized time in movies, you know, it mm-hmm. was, um, you know, you had Reagan in office. There was a very like, yeah. <laughs> you know, Canon films. You had a lot of like exploitation action movies, a lot of like go America stuff. Right. And yeah. then you had some satire in there, like they live or like repo man. But then I think in the nineties, you get that new sort of our American new wave kind of thing with, uh, Tarantino and like Richard Linklater and Kevin Smith mm-hmm. kind of those guys came in at the same time to yeah. kind of bring movies down to earth, you know? And, and I think that's just like that creative headspace and the impact Tarantino had. I don't think he'll ever quite get to that point again, but mm-hmm. I'll also watch his, if he goes beyond 10 movies, I'll watch all his movies. Cause his movies are like, yeah. like <laughs> it's just yeah. <laughs> so easy to watch. See everyone show up for the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like I saw that uh, Thursday night, I think at like seven, uh, and like just seeing like all these people, just like whether like you're like a super film person, like I like Tarantino's movies, yeah. and, uh, like everyone's just there, and I was like, wow, there's so many people here to see this movie, and like <laughs> it was it was it was really cool. Like I I do like um like some, sometimes I get to preview movies uh, at MCG. Um, yeah like the midnight previews and stuff yeah yeah Yeah. so i'm like it's so like a lot of times like i like watching a lot of horror movies like alone sometimes now because like you never then have the option of someone like interrupting it but like seeing some movies alone i'm like ah like like i usually don't try to see like like a marvel movie alone like i want i want that like crowd the applauding crowd yeah yeah yeah. just like oh yeah look at this he grabbed the hammer (laughs) i knew it (laughs) yeah yeah but that was sorry you were saying oh no actually you go you go (laughs) oh i was just gonna say that was like uh when i saw like force awakens in theaters like nothing will match that you know experience that was amazing and then the sad experience of watching Rise of Skywalker in a half-filled theater on opening night and people just kind of quietly sitting there the whole time. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. Oh, Rise of Skywalker. Anyway, what were I you was, saying before I made the oh, set? <laughs> oh, I, I was, I was going to try to remember, but actually Rise of Skywalker reminded me of something with Inglourious Bastards to kind of get back, but like the same, it was about like like tension like in the, the first uh, chapter. Like, mm-hmm. So, like, you know, how Tarantino uh, tells us that, okay, so now we, the audience, know that the people are, like, underneath the floorboards, but uh, at this point, we don't know that, uh, like, Londa knows that, like, creates amazing tension, and, like, he could have just, like you said, could have just, like, shot through the floorboards, like, oh, no, they were down there, and this is a prize, but, like, it's such a, like, 
great way to use it or like um going into like chapter five um which is uh like uh like the what was it the revenge of a giant face <laughs> super yes. super great name <laughs> uh just like uh Ter- like him Lolanda going into the uh pub in the basement and just like oh i found a shoe and then you think oh the shoe maybe there's a stop there when it's like oh you found the fucking napkin and it says bridget von hammerschmack right there oh my yeah. god <laughs> so like it's so good and slight spoiler for uh, rise of skywalker cut to that movie and the thing that made me just so angry um was like when it's like oh shit she dies and it's like oh my god that's just like they took risk thank you but then it's like oh he's actually alive and we the audience know but the characters don't but like that doesn't really work because it's like now that we have scenes of the characters all sad and it's not right. like a minute later this is like i don't know 20 minutes later like of screen time so it's like i don't care yeah why you're sad yeah the the emotional experience of finding out chewie's alive is best if there's a character emotionally experiencing that in the movie right like yeah. if we found out when they find out that's a different experience than just oh there he is <laughs> yeah like, it's fine <laughs> Kyle just hey, looks at him the whole like, time yeah, yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, I, I i one thing i love about inglorious bastards like i love about tarantino in general but there's a lot of it in glorious bastards or like he loves his cameos you know he loves mm-hmm. sticking great actors into these small roles sometimes against type but everybody and i've always praised this and a lot i i think i've talked about this on the podcast many times before but I love when you have these small characters that are all worthy of their own movies. Like yeah. Michael Fassbender uh, is like, he comes in halfway through the movie and he has like a swagger and a personality. He used to be a movie yeah. critic, but now he's a <laughs> spy, you know, it's, and then he has that great scene with Mike Myers and, um, yeah. <laughs> did and you Ro- know, when did you know that was Mike Myers? Cause like, I, it was a while before I like watching the movie that I found out. It's weird because it, he's in the trailer, I remember. And I never noticed oh, okay. it was him in the trailer. Um, but in the movie, like, it just, after a little while from talking, I was like, oh, it's, I, uh, oh yeah, it's like, because there's a bit of his, like, it, it, you can pick up, like, on the voice. He has a couple yeah, of go-to yeah. accents. <laughs> um, and then, but then you also have, I love you have Rod Taylor as, like, a drunk Winston Churchill on a piano. Yeah, <laughs> so great. I was like, oh, my God. I remember the first time I was like, is that? This supposed to be Winston Churchill just in the <laughs> corner right there? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, and he has like a couple of key lines and then, but yeah, and then you're like, oh, Michael Fassbender is one of our new heroes now. But it's like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's gone. Like, he's gone in the- so brilliant. Right. Yeah. Because, well, that whole scene in the basement goes on for a while. It's like 20 minutes. Yeah. It, it's like its own short film. Um and then also you bring in Bridget von Hammersmark, Diane Kruger, who is also a great actress, and she yeah. feels worthy of her own movie because she's a German movie star who's also a spy. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 you know, there's a lot of personality to her in the way that she, like, I like her, like, you know, I like smoking and drinking and eating restaurants, but I get your point. Like, she's <laughs> yeah, yeah. got, like, a sass to her. And you don't uh. know much about these characters, but you feel like they all had interesting lives 
before their their lives ended. <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, yeah, they yeah they all feel like fleshed out to a point. Like like they all feel like real people. It's so good. Like yeah. I remember <laughs> one of my favorite lines uh, was like Eli Ross line like before they go to the basement because uh, I think it was like uh, Hellstrom. No, no, uh, Hickox is Michael Fassbender's character, and Hickox is just like, oh well, she uh, like. Well, the like rendezvous in the basement, like I didn't know, and then like Eli Ross is like, speaking of Frau von Hammerschmack, whose <laughs> idea was it for this debt trap rendezvous? <laughs> and then like a Fassman is just like, oh, it was hers. Like, oh, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> it's just. Uh, Eli Roth in this movie is funny. Originally, you've heard that originally it was supposed to be Adam Sandler. Have you heard that? Yes, I remember. I was like, "Wow, that would be so interesting." I could yeah. actually hear the accent. Be like, "Oh, speaking of foul hammer shot, I watch it for the tribe rendezvous." Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "They call me the Basil." Like he would do like a, you know, before he like smashes that guy's in, it would be like before he smashes the guy's head in, it would be like shut up, and then does it. Um, but yeah, he's an interesting so character. I've never seen Eli Roth in a movie besides the movies he's directed because he's yeah. cameoed in some of his own movies. But this is easily the best. I've, I think this is the best thing Eli Roth's ever done is this performance. Um, yeah, I <laughs> agree. Yeah, I, I, when he's like, <laughs> like, because uh, I actually kind of uh, was going to go into like uh, the, the scene name. So like you got chapter one, once upon a time in Nazi occupied France, which mm-hmm. I found out Tarantino at first was thinking about putting that as the title. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like after the film, so I thought it was funny that like, Oh, once upon a time in Hollywood eventually. Uh, yeah. Which is obviously, I yeah. think a throwback to Sergio Leone's like once upon a time in the West, once upon a time in America. America. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was like, ah, it's cool, it's cool. You, yeah. you love your movies. <laughs> and chapter two is Inglorious Bastards. Uh, chapter three is German Night in Paris. Uh, chapter four is Operation Kino, and then chapter five is Revenge of a Giant Face. Um, which do you? Uh, so you said the first chapter uh, opening scene with um, Christoph Waltz. That's your. That's what you think is your favorite scene, maybe. <sighs> Probably because I think it's so simple and perfect. Um, Operation Kino might be my second favorite just because I think also just almost like equal amounts of tension and so many yeah. more moving parts too, I think. I, I wrestle. Yeah, it's it's like always been between that, like those two scenes. It's just yeah. like, just like in figuring out like there's 20 minutes has gone past like both of these scenes, like 20 minutes has gone past, really? Yeah. Like, it's just like it's just so good like i love uh it's <laughs> like it's just like tarantino just perfectly puts his characters in that t- like tight box just yeah okay we're in the basement and then we finally get a table uh to like to talk uh with um with uh, uh von hammerschmark and it's just like Oh, and then the drunken guy who just had a baby of course <laughs> a great device just comes over and just like huh I don't think your accent's actually that good. And yeah. then just like, you would say this and he throw him away. And it's like, okay, cool. We're finally, but then like cut to fucking Hellstrom from earlier in the movie, <laughs> just yeah. like is in the corner. Cause you hear his voice. I'm like, where the fuck is he? He's like, Oh shit. Yeah. And it's like, all oh, the tension. Yeah. And, and the like, way Fassbender gives himself away with the, 
he does he uses the wrong three is so like i love that they don't reveal what it is until later but you can when you rewatch it the way that he looks at him at the three and you know like yeah. just from that moment he's like oh like he's got him i think they rack focus from like the three to the guy looking yeah. at him I think you're right. Yeah, it's so perfect. Like, uh, it's just, and you like you don't, like the first time watching them, don't know what happened, but like yeah. you can feel something happened, and like the air is sucked out of the room, and it's just, like <laughs> everyone's so quiet. Like it cuts to like the frown, and, like her face is also kind of like a little nervous, and it's yeah. like what the fuck happened? And it's just like you're as German as you're as German as that Scotch. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Oh no. <laughs> and then there's that classic, the classic Tarantino Mexican standoff, except they're all pointing their guns at each other's testicles. This that was so one. funny. Yeah. I love when Hugo Stiglitz just takes his gun and drops it right on his crotch. Cause I also have my gun on your test. Like that makes three of us. And it's just <laughs> yeah. like the other two guys uh, are being discreet, but he just sticks it right in his crotch. He's just like, nah. And then you see like the bar owner just like, uh, like getting ready to like get his finger on the gun, and it's just like, oh yeah. shit, yeah. It's, and I love how Michael Fassbender is just like, well, dear old boy, yeah, uh, <laughs> out speaking of kings, yeah, and he like lights the cigarette, like, yeah, he's, he's so cool all the way to the end. He knows it's you know, he's about to go, <laughs> yeah. I, I found out like, uh, because I kind of knew some of this, but like not all of it, so like, I guess, uh, like, so Fassbender was born in Germany. Uh, to like German and Irish parents and then oh. he was raised in Ireland yeah which I was like what and like uh, he like lives in England I think now and like he's you know fluent in German and that's his first language and English is his second so like he has like a mastery of like English dialects so it's like funny to me that he like plays an Englishman <laughs> who has like goes undercover as like a German who can speak German fluently but yeah. he has difficulty like hiding his accent <laughs> just like like the layers of it as an actor he has to play it's just like oh, but, so but also from all that information like probably the most qualified person to play that part <laughs> yeah because i i heard i think like he was mad that he couldn't be like wanda at first and then i think like i heard like tarantino said something like you were in this movie and you were way too beautiful you're too beautiful <laughs> to be uh Wanda. <laughs> yeah well and londa works older works better because as like an older man too because yeah, you know, yeah christoph waltz is visibly like at least i think in his 50s or something so yeah yeah definitely more believable yeah as like an older guy yeah yeah uh speaking of cameos you mentioned samuel jackson uh harvey keitel is on the phone at the end of this movie do you catch oh, that? That's him. He's he's uh, Lieutenant Aldo Rain's com- like uh, yeah. commander on the phone. Commander, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also a random cameo. Like <laughs> I didn't how I did not catch that. Yeah, I was literally like, do I know this voice last night? And I'm like, maybe I don't. All right. That okay. That's so cool. <laughs> At least something was like ticking i'm like hmm, okay yeah. <laughs> i think that's the last one that i know of at least i'm sure there's others in there yeah tarantino is one of the nazis getting scalped at one point i know oh really yeah oh it's, i did not know that that's so cool <laughs> it's like the very first shot of a scene you see a guy getting scalped and that's him so oh okay it's, he like calls attention <laughs> to himself i heard originally he was considering playing lieutenant aldo rain which would have been weird because that yeah. would have been the biggest role he's ever given himself. Yeah. Um, and 
also it would have ended with Quentin Tarantino looking at the screen <laughs> saying, I think this might just be my masterpiece and then cutting to written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> Which would have been so like self-filating. <laughs> yeah. It's like, am I watching adaptation right now? Like what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I also found out that like uh, Simon Pegg, was actually set to play Hickox. Oh, uh, wow. But he couldn't because of scheduling conflicts with um, oh God, what was it? Uh, the Avengers of Tintin, which oh, I okay. didn't, I've not seen still, but I was like. Yeah, he and Nick Frost play uh, Thompson and Thompson in that movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> what, what do you think of uh, Simon Pegg as Hickox? Like, It'd be interesting. It would be a different take on the character because Hickox is so suave. Uh, yeah. Because that's just, you know, Michael Fassbender, very handsome, classically handsome guy. You know, I, I don't I don't see... I, I think Simon Pegg's a great actor. I actually think he's underrated as a dramatic actor. I um, agree, yeah. Because, I mean, he obviously he's funny, but I think he is good, but I don't see him being suave necessarily. I, that's... A, a weird thing to accept him as so i do wonder mm-hmm. how he would portray that role if i maybe it'd be close to like nicholas angel and hot fuzz <laughs> yeah that that that's where like sometimes when i think of like son peg i'm like damn like nicholas angel like that is a completely different character uh than sean and it's just yeah. like or gary king in the like, world's end <laughs> yeah like they're all just so good i'm like man Simon Pegg is really good. Like, did you yeah. ever watch uh, The Boys on Amazon? Yes. Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah, Simon he's Pegg. dad. Yeah, I was like, wait, wait am I drinking? <laughs> yes. But also, wait a second. <laughs> is that Simon Pegg? <laughs> it was also a weird realization to have that Simon Pegg could be the dad to somebody that age like yeah because in my head he was always he's still 20 something so realizing he's you know almost 50 or something like that i was like oh okay (laughs) it's like i guess so yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) uh (laughs) would you say uh that christoph waltz as hans landa is maybe in top 10 film villains of all time for me personally, yes. Okay. <laughs> what about you? I, you probably, yeah? I, I think, yeah, personally, because I guess, you know, tons of movies I probably haven't seen, but <laughs> I would probably also agree, like, because that was, that was a year after uh, um, The Dark Knight, actually, so it's like yeah. two amazing just, like, villain performances, except, like, this one, you're like, I love you in a way because you're just so, like, giddy. Like, when he's like, ooh, that's so bingo. <laughs> like, and he does, like, a say. little shimmy. He's like, a little yeah. Hillary Clinton shimmy with his shoulders, <laughs> which is so funny. Like, and then he's like, is that the way you say that? That's a bingo? It's Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so funny. And I do love that. I mean, he won an Oscar for this and for Django Unchained. Yeah. He gives similar performances in both, but obviously drastically different characters yeah Um, but it reminds me of how um uh uh, anthony hopkins uh, said that when jonathan demi wanted him to play hannibal lecter he said that he wanted him to play that role uh because he saw him in the elephant man uh but he was like but in the elephant man i play a really good man and he's like yeah that's why i think you'd be really effective as hannibal lecter because Okay. There's something so disarming to see somebody who can play such a good person play 
uh, a villain. And obviously it went in the opposite order with Christoph Waltz because he played a villain and then later played a very good man um, Mm -hmm. in Django Unchained. But it's really interesting how he can have similar mannerisms and inflections, but, you know, give you such different feelings based on the kind of character he's scripted to be playing, you know? Yeah, Christoph, like, and it's so funny also, like, being like an older guy like he won two oscars within like four years right like uh you know they're supporting but still like that's like really impressive and to become like famous as an older uh actor is always just the harder and of like an actor who's not even american like yeah it's so impressive and like the fact that he is able to speak like you can find like an actor uh like that can speak english german uh, like some Italian and French is like, yeah. who are we going to get? And then it's just like from like the heavens, like floats down, like Christoph Waltz. Like, did somebody <laughs> say talented actor? Uh, <laughs> well, just and, like, that's, and that's another th- case where apparently originally Tarantino wanted Leo DiCaprio to play Hans Landa, but he just oh, couldn't because really? of, yeah, but he couldn't because of all the languages, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, and you know, that would have been a case where it's like, oh yeah, very famous, very talented guy. But then you have Christoph Waltz, who at least in America was pretty unknown. And that movie gave him a career, you know, it's a star making turn. And really, I think that's so much more rewarding than if, you know, if Leo came in and he did a pretty good job, you know, or did a great job like Leo usually does, but it would have been like, ah, another great Leo performance. It's like, instead you have this guy who we had never heard of comes in and we're all like, wait, who's this guy? And now he's like a (laughs) go-to villain actor. He's a Bond villain. Like he's, you know, no big deal. (laughs) It was me, James. I was the architect of all your fates. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, what? And he's he's back for, uh, for um, No Time to Die. No Time to Die, whenever that comes out. <laughs> yeah, I November. Yeah, now, yeah. Right? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I like his 2030. Inspector, did they kind of do a spoiler alert for Spectre? If you haven't seen it, <laughs> there's like a, a a reveal that he's Blofeld, which kind of reminded me right. of uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch and Star Trek in a Darkness thing, where it's like oh he's this God, character, yes. and to the audience, <laughs> it's, it's like, supposed Ooh. to shock us. But to the characters in the right. movie, they're like, okay, that's just another name. Like, I don't know who you are. Yeah, <laughs> I, and it's it's weird. I I do actually like Into Darkness. It is flawed for sure, but oh, that part yeah. was always just. Okay, this is really weird. It's like my name is God, <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Chris Pine's like cool. Yeah, I, nice name. I I am Steve Rogers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed those movies too. Um, I do think Beyond was the best of that trilogy. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, as a big Trekkie, it's been established before on this podcast that I am a Star Trek fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in our in our wrath of Khan episode but yeah uh also <laughs> tarantino big star trek fan and uh yeah yeah there was that whole thing about how we might do a star trek movie i don't think he will now but um yeah at first i was like this is go- that would be like really interesting especially being like a fan of star trek not like yeah so like that could be actually really cool but yeah yeah i don't know if it's gonna happen now probably not but like hey right you never know, like, maybe you he does know. his 10, and then it's like, I'm <laughs> cheating, because it's not, like, my, it's a different IP, so it's like, it's like, um, 
like it's like a different thing. Like I, I'm going this, you know? Right. <laughs> the, the the one thing is I know he I Tarantino's one of those few directors working today that I know will never play ball. So I know <laughs> that he would make it whatever he wanted it to be. Yeah. Um and I, part of me, it's just pure curiosity. Like, I don't know if I'd like it. I have no idea. I just I just want to see it. I want to see him do... Yeah. And that's the thing. Uh, Tarantino obviously loves all these genres. I'd love to see him do a sci-fi movie. I'd love to see him do, a, like, a straight horror movie, you know? Right, um, right. Stuff like that. Because he obviously he has a lot of affection for those. And it's like, he's toyed. He's apparently said his 10th movie might be straight horror, which would be great um obviously hateful eight uh did you by the way did you see that in 70 millimeter when it came out i didn't i just saw it um i think just in a regular screen on uh, mtg sadly oh okay yeah well that's yeah i i i dragged my family the day after christmas to see the 70 millimeter road show in uh detroit uh and we I think my dad and I kind of like my dad kind of liked it. My grandpa kind of liked it. Everyone else hated it. <laughs> um, I actually wait. Hang on one second. I might have. Oh, yeah. This is the uh, the program from the seventy millimeter showing. Oh, it's so cool. They had like. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> but. Um, that movie is obviously super inspired by the thing. Uh, he even uses some of the score from the thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And so now I'm just like, dude, just do a horror movie, like, just you know. <laughs> I would, I would love that. Like, obviously, he's great with like tension. Like, it's like I can't like, and just like the shot composition, just like how they look. Like, it would be amazing. Like, yeah, I, I would be 100 percent in for a Tarantino horror movie. <laughs> so why do you you probably have more notes supporting this what uh i just saw your letterbox review and you were like conv- positive in your convictions like inglorious bastards <laughs> is a masterpiece what yeah. do you think makes it the tarantino movie like what makes it his masterpiece i i think um like everything he was building towards uh like as a director like kind of led to this like to me, it's it has some of like the best dialogue he's ever written. Like mm. it's it's not it's like fun in a different way, you know. It's not like as playful as some scenes maybe uh, that were also real character, like maybe like in Pulp Fiction or like Reservoir Dogs. But like sometimes it is. Um, but like like I feel like he's like like a master in this movie at like everything like like you said like there's not a wasted shot like every camera movement and you know obviously some are the people under him but you know he's still the director but like yeah. like the like the shots were just like like we're gonna embrace like the 180 degree rule uh in the first scene like it just like it's just slowly pans and it's like choices it's like slow push-ins it's just like like the editing is like perfect um i also just think like the fact that there are only like six scenes or like five scenes or whatever that are like mm-hmm. super elongated. Like I would think like, Oh great. Like there's like six scenes, 20 minutes, but like <laughs> in Tarantino's hands, like they're treated just so well. Like the ten, like everything is just perfect. Like with the tension, like how, um, like 
just like the characters, like Londa comes in and then uh, La Petite just like, oh, get him some wine, like to one of my daughters. And then yeah. he's like, no, 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 it's a dairy farm. I'll have some milk. And it's just like, what? Okay. And he just drinks the whole fucking glass of milk. <laughs> and it's just like, ah, it's just so good. <laughs> Which also feels uh, very related to uh, when um, Samuel L. Jackson and Jules and Pulp Fiction takes his Sprite from Big Kahuna Burger and, like, drinks the entire thing right in front of him as so an intimidation like, mm-hmm. tactic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like a close-up on his face when he's doing that. It's <laughs> like, oh, God. Oh, I think God. there's one scene in Inglourious Bastards where I think there, in almost every Tarantino movie, there's that one scene that's just, like, purely for comedy. Like, it's, mm-hmm. like, pure... The whole thing is situational comedy. And... Like, I think it's the, you know, the KKK scene with Don Johnson and Jonah Hill and Django Unchained. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, Marvin <laughs> getting shot in the face in Pulp Fiction. Um, that scene in Glorious Bastards, I think, is when they, they're arriving at the theater at the end. And, um, which, by the way, I think it's really funny that the Bastards and Shoshana never know about each other's involvement. It's just these two concurrent yeah. stories. <laughs> but they show up and, uh, you know, uh, Brad Pitt and uh, Eli Roth and uh, the other guy, Omar Doom, I think is the actor. They're doing these mm-hmm. characters and, you know, it's that Antonio Margariti. Margariti. And it's, it's, it's like, of course, Hans Landa knows Italian perfectly. <laughs> it's just, yeah. and then, and but the best part is that it's like he's totally figured them out. He knows they're frauds, and he's like trying to help them figure out their accents. Like it's like this this underlying thing. Like he's almost admitted to them that he knows they're faking because he's like, no, like yeah. like he's like, let me hear the music in it. Like he's trying to tell them to like work on their characters better, <laughs> which is so yeah, funny. It's so perfect. <laughs> Gorlami. One more time. Gorlami. Yeah. Just <laughs> one more time. <laughs> Gorlami, <laughs> yeah. and then his last one's just really like Gorlami, like he's just really yeah, angry. <laughs> yeah, then, just like the cocoa. <laughs> yeah, the last guy, Dumb to Coco. He's like, what's that? Dumb to Coco. He's like, great. Like that's perfect. Perfect. And, yeah. But yeah, it's like in that scene. They both. It's like they both know. Like, yeah, you know who we are now, but they can't say yeah. anything about it. <laughs> and so uh, that's it. It's just so, that's why I love, like, I also in this, like, right before, like, goes into, like, that, uh, when, like, <laughs> Bridget, like, tells Hans that, like, she got into, like, a mountain climbing accident. He's like, oh, yeah. mountain climbing? And, like, obviously, we know that's a lie. <laughs> and he knows, we know that he knows it's a lie. So he just turns around, just, like, dies cackling, laughing so <laughs> loud. And they're just like, um, what? Uh, yeah. and then he's just like oh sorry I don't mean to laugh at your misfortune but oh, what are you climbing mountains for and, and then he, I think there was like a line where it's like is there a mountain in Paris and like her face feels like white and it's like right. I'm just joking for a line. <laughs> and it's like ha 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 <laughs> that okay there's speaking of which I think I was rewatching the good the bad and the ugly recently mm-hmm. and which is as I said I think is Tarantino is once said as his favorite movie. There's a scene in that where Clint Eastwood and Eli Wallach are like undercover uh, with in the like the Civil War, and at this point they're just so exhausted and they've used so many fake names and stuff. And the guy's like, "All right, what's your name?" And Eli Wallach's like, "Uh," and then he like looks at, Tar- at uh, uh, Clint Eastwood. And he's like, "How about you?" And he's just like, 
uh, and he's like, all right. And then he like moves on and like, like these two characters are like, they're just straight up, like not even, they're just obvious now, but the yeah. char- the other character is like on top of the scene, like he's ruling it and it like, it's beyond it. Like he doesn't even care at this point. And <laughs> it does feel like he kind of took some inspiration from that dynamic, but it's like played for peak comedy <laughs> in Inglourious Masters. That's it, yeah. That's just so. I love yeah when you can find like moments of like levity in these like high tension scenes, but it doesn't feel like tonally off. Like that's why I think it's just so great. And like something you said, uh, which I when I was like comparing in my letterbox thing, um, once upon a time in Hollywood and this, I just love how like like the all the plot points like Shoshana's storyline crescendos at the same time that the bastards does in yes. the theater and yeah they don't even know each other's existence <laughs> so like in a way like thank god of like hitler was going to die like either <laughs> way and like <laughs> i just it's just such a like awesome just like iconic shot when like Shoshana just comes on screen yeah. like, i have a message for germany and then just like the like burn it all down and then uh, right what's his name marcel i think is like yes my love and just <laughs> burns it down like there's also a great shot like earlier when he's like near the nitrate film and it's just smoking it's like the camera like like backs up and i'm yeah. just like oh these are such great shots <laughs> that climax i think is tarantino it's one of his most clever things he's ever done narratively and i think it's a little underrated because people love talking about tarantino's violence and they like talking to, like there's that great video of him being like because it's so much fun jan get it you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. and uh but like at the end of inglorious bastards i think the joke is so obvious that you have all of these nazis watching a movie of with gratuitous carnage where there's this guy just gunning people down and they're cheering and they're laughing and they're into it and then right after that those Nazis start getting gunned down and it's really excessive and hilarious. And we're supposed to be reacting with like laughter and cheers. So there's an obvious like statement being made about violence and about like, yeah, we're kind of like the Nazis (laughs) in that movie, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, Like, I do think he's sometimes he's more clever than sometimes people give him credit for Like he, the ending of that movie, I think is kind of poetic. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's great, and I, I, I like. I don't know how you feel about the that last shot where it's just like I think it's my masterpiece. I, <laughs> I think it's pretty funny at the same time. Like obviously, like he thinks it's his. I don't know if he still thinks it's his masterpiece now that yeah. like Once Upon a Time has come out. But like, uh, I, I just love that. Just like <laughs> he just still, and we see him like carve the swastika in yeah. his head. I was like, oh, whew, yikes. <laughs> That hurts. Uh. <laughs> I, I do think it's it, it's okay because the whole movie is about movies and it gets yeah. more and more meta as it progresses. I think it's kind of perfect that it crescendos with a character saying, I think this might be my masterpiece and then cutting to Quentin yeah. Tarantino's name. like Because he also, <laughs> he always has opening credits, but he saves his name for the end of the movie. Uh, yeah. which, which is like, you know, like, yeah, you know, big ego, fine, you know, tour theory. <laughs> Like, if you're not a believer, right. fine. But I think there's a clear, you know, there's a clear meta narrative to the whole movie that I think ends mm-hmm. perfectly with that last shot. 
him and uh, yeah. BJ Novak after they. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh-huh. actors cast uh, against type. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the entire bass is like, I know like Sam Levine. Sam Levine uh, from Freaks and Geeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, do, you, do you, I don't know if you were familiar with the uh, movie trivia Schmodown. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because he uh, he's not he doesn't uh, compete now, but like he was uh, like contestant on there, and like Sam was Levine like was? the champion. Oh yeah, Sam Levine. Yeah, yeah. He he became I think yeah he was the champion of like the singles and like the uh, oh, wow. teams division. But so it was it's like funny. Like I'm like wait, Sam Levine was in Glorious Bastards. And I'm like watching <laughs> it again, like like maybe a couple years ago, and I was like, oh my god, yeah, he's right there. He's right there. <laughs> I think he doesn't even have a line. (laughs) Yeah, same. That's what I was like. I don't think he even talks. Like, like (laughs) I know it's another guy from uh, I Love You, Beth Cooper. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, that guy. I was like, wow, what a pull. I Love You, Beth Cooper. Haven't thought about that in a while. I haven't uh, thought about that movie since saw the trailer, maybe, when it came out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I saw that once, and I was like, hmm. Yeah. Not again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw it. <laughs> like, it's one of those, it's like the bottom of that genre of movie where it's like last day of high school and we got to do something cool. Like, yeah. I think Super Bad is like, you know, top tier, you know, mm-hmm. Book Smart's up there. And then, like, yeah, yeah. I love you, Beth Cooper. <laughs> it's towards it's like the bottom. The, just flowing at the bottom of the pool, just like, <laughs> oh, God, Lee's fell in. Oh, yeah. oh, no, that's just, I love you, Beth Cooper, uh, being not good. <laughs> Do you have anything else in your notes that you wanted to get to? Um, yeah. So, uh, so I wanted to get your opinion on the Oscars of that next year, including like uh, Glorious Bastard. So, uh, obviously, it you know, Kristoff uh, won for supporting actor, right? But I wanted to get well your deserved. opinion <laughs> on whether or not Glorious should have won in three different categories. So, okay. uh, so original screenplay uh, went to Hurt Locker. Okay. Uh, instead, and other nominated movies were The Messenger, A Serious Man, and I didn't even know this. Uh, Up. Oh. Um, do, do you think that Glorious Bastards should have won for a screenplay? Um. So I don't think Hurt Locker should have won. I can say that. Mm-hmm. I think out of those, Inglorious Bastards could have won, or A Serious Man. I also think is high up there because I think that's yeah a great screenplay um i don't know i would have been satisfied with either one of those winning uh i mean inglorious bastards i think is one of tarantino's best screenplays for sure uh do you think it should have won i i do uh like i just saw serious man like a couple months ago i'm like I think I agree, though. Uh, Inglorious Bastards may be his best screenplay for me. I the the Heart Locker screenplay isn't something I thought was going to be not would have been nominated actually. But right, yeah, like it's not something that I think uh, Catherine Bigelow won Best Director that year, right? Oh, that ca- yeah, that category is also on the <laughs> uh, on deck as well. <laughs> okay. Because I was going to yeah. say, like, I can see her, like, I think the direct, like, her direction is something I take away from that movie way more than I do the screenplay. Like, I don't think anything Same. in the screenplay particularly sticks out to me. But, yeah, who else was nominated yeah. for director? So, that year, uh, obviously, Catherine Bigelow won uh, for her locker. It was James Cameron for Avatar. Mm. Uh, obviously, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino for Bastards. Uh, Lee Daniels for Precious. 
Oh, yeah. uh, Based on all the push by Sapphire. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and then uh Jason Reitman uh for up in the air. Okay. I, yeah. I mean I like I like Catherine Bigelow beating James Cameron for the Oscar. I just think that's really fun. <laughs> that is pretty great. <laughs> um, so like yeah, I would have been happy. I would have been very happy with Tarantino, but yeah, the poetry of <laughs> of Catherine Bigelow beating her ex husband, I think is great. <laughs> yeah, it's like you you can't get you can't beat that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh and then the last one is Best Picture, which also went to the Hurt Locker. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> that year. So Avatar, oh, the blind side. Oh my <laughs> Was that a sigh uh, before the blind side? Like <laughs> Yeah, it's like I didn't know it was I forgot it was not only for Best Picture. Wow. I forgot that was like a big Oscar movie that year. <laughs> yeah, that Sandra Bullock won that year. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, wow. Yeah, I was like, hi, yeah, yeah. District Nine, um, and the Education, Glorious Bastards, Precious, A Serious Man, Up, and Up in the Air uh, mm. were all nominated. Uh, do you what do you think about that? Glorious Bastards or Hurt Locker? Personally speaking, I think Inglorious Bastards is easily the best movie out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably agree. <laughs> yeah yeah i because i was looking at this i'm like what did it's not win i'm like wow the hurt locker beat it in these three categories i besides directing which is hard because like that i would also like that and she also like directed the hell out of that movie i'm yeah. like but like staying a test of time obviously like 11 years later i'm like i think i think it should have won best picture like yeah i mean I'll be honest, out of all of those Inglorious Bastards is the only one I've chosen to rewatch. It's the only one I really yeah. think about, you know. I, I definitely haven't thought about the blind side <laughs> like once. Yeah. <laughs> and I lived in Mississippi for a little while. That was like everyone's favorite oh, okay. movie. Still uh <laughs> yeah, I haven't had much thought about that one. Uh that's yeah. you know, I like I think District Nine myself. District Nine is great. Yeah. District yeah, Nine, yeah. I think, is a close second in that race. Yeah. I and I, I'm one of those people. I, I do like Avatar, uh, <laughs> but I don't think it should have been nominated for Best Picture, and I definitely, yeah. definitely did not need to win. <laughs> Are you excited for Avatars two through five? <laughs> oh, oh yeah, you know, like in 2050, it's gonna be great to watch yeah. Avatar two. Yeah, it's. I literally, I remember like in 2014, it was supposed to come out Avatar two, like, and like yeah. every year because. I, I would go on like Wikipedia and like look up all the upcoming films, put them in my calendar on my phone. Like I have a specific movie calendar for releases I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and every year just had to keep deleting Avatar 2. <laughs> and I'm just like, every year it was supposed to come out since 2014. And then like, it was maybe going to come out this year. And then I was like, nah, next year. That's like, I don't. I don't even care. Like, I won't <laughs> believe it until I'm in a theater, not even a trailer. Like, <laughs> like maybe another coronavirus will happen. COVID yeah. twenty. <laughs> Man, I I am the same thing, but with National Treasure three. So. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, where is this movie? <laughs> where is it, Nick? What are you doing? Yeah, come on! <laughs> don't make uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice two. Uh, yeah. Make this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> But he is, I mean, I, like out of all of these guys, uh, I mean, Tarantino is sort of the last remaining, like out of those 90s guys specifically, you know, Kevin Smith has 
teetered off like he he, he yeah. still makes movies but they're mostly just in jokes you know mm-hmm. like like i never yeah. saw yoga hosers but it looked like like a big joke I, but, yeah but did you see it <laughs> oh, no yeah. i i've seen clips i was like dude wh- i was funny my only kevin smith movie i've seen uh, i'm gonna change that soon but has only been tusk oh <laughs> And I was like, what the fuck is the movie? <laughs> Tusk is also a movie that, like, because he made up that plot on his podcast. I'm like, oh, the whole thing yeah. is a big in-joke. Like, he just did it <laughs> for his friends, which is yeah. great. You know, fine, I respect that. But, like, right. you, you know, like, he's nowhere near, like, people watched Clerks in the 90s, like, oh, this is, like, th- that inspired so many people. And mm-hmm. then, um, you know, obviously now, yeah, he's just kind of does stuff for himself. And then Richard Linklater is, you know, He's not doing Days and Confused or uh, yeah. Before Sunset uh, anymore. Um, but and he's working on the uh, he's working on that uh, movie Merrily We Roll Along. Uh, have you oh. heard about this? No, I haven't. Yeah, he's he so uh, like Boyhood it got out, so everyone knows now. But like, um, well, it's out there. Uh, so Merrily We Roll Along is a musical, and he is going to film that over 20 years because that's how long the like show uh, goes. Um, and yeah, he's going to film that with 20 years with uh, Ben Platt <laughs> and Beanie Feldstein. Okay. And he's I'm like, really, is there yeah. like a contract that they have to take care of their health? Like, <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm assuming. Wondering. Like, <laughs> if someone die, like God forbid, hopefully it doesn't happen. But like, someone die, like. 14 years into it like what are you supposed to do (laughs) (laughs) have like all those act like different actors portray them then like each time like then we gotta record (laughs) your stuff too but i'm older ah cg (laughs) at that point in the future cg is gonna be so perfect we won't even know they're not gonna reveal that ben platts died five years ago (laughs) until it happens (laughs) yeah actors won't die anymore they'll just be cg characters they die when we decide they die that's what hollywood's gonna damn it (laughs) sorry peter cushing you're you're gonna be around that's gonna be like yeah i mean what they're making new james dean movies and stuff now which is hilarious it's like it's it's funny because it's like we love actors because actors make choices and Mm. decisions that's what makes a good actor because they're an artist too so it's like if I'm watching a CGI James Dean face, I'm not watching James Dean make decisions. I'm just watching a recreation of his face. Like that's not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and maybe a computer can like analyze, like, okay, in these many films, this person maybe reacted this way to this many scenes and have a formula. But like, you never know that actor is going to express something completely different. Like the director says something, and it's like, oh, I didn't think about it that way, and, yeah. and they go in there, and it's like. That's that's like what's so amazing, like you said, and it's like a like a computer, like CGI, like I, it's the magic <laughs> is going to be gone. Like yeah. like movies shouldn't work, and when they do, it's always magic. And so it's like forcing it like in that weird box is just like it's just so false. And I'm like, I don't I don't want this. <laughs> I um I wanted to mention another thing. Because I thought of this a bit ago. We were talking about the use of music in Inglorious Bastards. One of my all-time favorite Tarantino needle drops ever is uh, the use of cat people in Inglorious Bastards. When uh, the, um, the by David Bowie, that see these eyes so green, like when so when Shoshana's like gearing up, it's yeah. oh, it's perfect. And it's, then yeah, 
just a couple years ago, Atomic Blonde came out and they used that same song in the beginning. And I was like, no, it's no Inglorious Bastards. Like that yeah. movie should have ended that song in movies because you're never going to reach that movie, like how that movie used that song. <laughs> yeah, that was the peak. You guys can't climb this mountain and shut down. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That yeah, that was that was oh God. He has some of the best needle drops I've ever heard. Just like yeah. it's yeah, that that was perfect. That that was a standout when I was watching it last night again. Just like her getting ready, just like putting on the lipstick and having the lipstick like on her cheeks as like a little <laughs> battle paint at first, which yes. just turns into uh like rainbow kind of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you have an all-time favorite Tarantino needle drop? Do you think? Um, <laughs> God, it's just, it's so hard. Like the one that always hits me, uh, <laughs> I think it's the, and it's in Django, uh, when, oh God, what is that scene? They, it's like, a, it's the Rick Ross song. It's just, I think cause it was hundred funny. black coffins. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, I just made me laugh every time. I'm like, this is so funny that Rick Ross saw in a fucking yeah. Quentin Tarantino movie. God, this <laughs> in a man western. Is <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's 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 uh, it's pretty fun. Uh, what about you? Do you have a favorite needle drop? I think mine is also Django Unchained. I think it's the use uh, at the very end. They use the theme song to a movie called um, "My Name Is Trinity," where it's mm-hmm. that like. He is the guy who's the talk of the town with us. And that that movie's like a slapstick comedy, but they use it and yeah. it's so cool. And like they add like a swagger to that scene at the end. Um but yeah, no, I great, like his soundtracks out of this world. Um Yeah, so good. Well, I oh I wanna leave you on one more question. Uh obviously Quentin Tarantino is one of the last remaining like big voices. Uh advocating for film over digital um do you have a dog in that fight do you have any opinion (laughs) regarding um film or no i'm i always like take it as like whatever like i always think it's nice to like preserve like like the past like Mm -hmm. uh because like like film is just like it's I feel like it's it's nicer when like things aren't as easy. Uh, like yeah. like it's obviously easier to shoot on digital than it is film. Because um, like there's so there's a lot of like older directors sometimes that seem like I want to shoot on digital because it's like look what we can do now. But then right. like like younger filmmakers are like I want to preserve that and like shoot on film. So I, I feel like to each their own. Like. Mm. It, it there's something about film i think like shooting on film sometimes depending on like what genre what the aesthetic you're trying to like um uh portray and visualize like that maybe leans more towards like being shot on film than possibly digital but i i feel i feel like there's something special like like uh christopher nolan's like my favorite filmmaker yeah um and like the first movie I ever saw on IMAX was Dunkirk because I found oh, yeah. out like 80%, 85% was shot on like IMAX cameras. And I was like, I want to see this in the biggest <laughs> theater possible. I want to see like, like just like the little gr- film grain sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, let's do digital. So I, I like both. I like that there's people still sticking to the old ways. I'll say that. Yeah. I, 
I, I agree. I, it's, um, I like, you know, people have a certain way that they like to do it. Tarantino only wants to shoot on film. I think the only time he shot digitally was when he directed that one scene in Sin City. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, yeah, he, he's very, you know, he's a big advocate for film. And I think that's great. I understand the romanticization of it. And that's kind of movie magic is that you're actually watching a bunch of pictures in a row. Um, yeah. I, at the same time, I think the invention of digital is really important because because of digital, a lot more people can make movies that otherwise couldn't. You can make it for lower budgets and still make movies that look more like movies. Um, I know Deacons talked about it saying like, you know, now as time passes, you can make digital look more and more like film. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's easier, to, you know, you don't have to worry as much about lighting and stuff like that when you're shooting. Um, so yeah, I agree. It's to, to each their own. Um, but I am I'm grateful for digital because I do think it's enabled more to happen uh, and more people to make movies, which is always yeah. a good thing. Yeah, that that's yeah, that's sometimes like I know like uh, I think it was Spielberg maybe who's saying about like movies being available on Netflix or something like talking about Netflix maybe uh like saying how like a bad thing I'm like well dude like a lot of people can't afford to go to the theaters right also (laughs) not every person is Steven Spielberg not everybody can get their movies to wide releases especially nowadays when the market is so overrun with you know the bigger movies and our standards for budgets are going up higher like a lot of people yeah or specifically yeah or like specifically today when there are no movie theaters open right, right. now. Yeah. And it's like, we need yeah, Netflix like now Amazon. more than ever. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I think I, like South by Southwest is doing that whole, like they're showing, I don't know if all of them, they haven't released like the actual schedule, but like they're releasing a lot of the movies that were supposed to premiere at South by Southwest free for everyone on Amazon yeah. for like 10 days sometime in the near future, I think later this month. And it's like, that's amazing. Like they would, they literally, lost their chance to be seen and the fact that it's free too is also just like that extra incentive just to watch these movies that people put all their hard work into yeah yeah i agree um yeah man i appreciate you doing this this was a lot of fun i yeah no for sure i love talking to you about this this is great (laughs) um obviously uh I think you should start a podcast. I'll I'll listen to you talk about movies <laughs> forever. Uh, I tuned into your live stream about uh, your you know top ten of the decade. So, right, right. <laughs> um, same as you. I like I love listening to people talk about movies who love movies. So yeah, and then you're like I like uh, you're a great host. I like listening to oh. your uh, podcast. Yeah, Thank it's you. like a I like it's like a I have a cool like relaxed vibe that's not like. <laughs> Mm, i'm bored about things uh, <laughs> uh it's just like it's like a cool like i can see like the film like the teacher like in you like i'm just like i just want to listen <laughs> i appreciate like, oh, yeah, i guess Jan. yeah no problem <laughs> thank you um do you so i mean I, I know you're an actor you are a part of the art community here do you have do you, do you want to promote like an instagram or a or a or a uh, soundcloud or <laughs> or something uh, um well i guess my i think my instagram is just like my first and last name and daigua mcleod uh <laughs> n-d-e-g-w-a then mcleod m-c-c-l-o-u-d um 
if any movie fans are listening, you can follow me on Letterboxd. Letterboxd. And they go off 45. I like following people, seeing what they got to say. Uh, I usually post a lot now. I yeah. think that's it. I'm not in any upcoming shows because I think all <laughs> auditions are canceled. <laughs> right. I'll have you on in the future when you have something to promote and this will be like a, like a talk show. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Yeah, yeah. And if I guess I guess I could say if anyone wants to, if any uh, film fans that aren't already a part of it, they like to talk about movies, whether it's like Bergman or Bay, um, <laughs> <laughs> you could uh, you, you could join uh, You Can't Handle the Movie. It's a film group on Facebook that I created like a few weeks ago. It's pretty cool. I like, uh, like usually just something like a question, like Johnny, like you, I like, thank you so much for like posting like a question at least like a day. Usually I know it's like, so I appreciate that. Like just oh, yeah. something. So there's always content for someone to participate. Uh, but it's a, it's just a fun place if you like to talk about movies, but yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely join if you're on Facebook and you are like us and, just looking for movie friends all the time. So yeah, um, yeah, no, I appreciate this. Thanks again. Um, we got to do this again. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. (laughs) Uh, All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. That wraps up another episode of we are movies. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you again to Endegua for coming on. Definitely uh, go follow him on Letterboxd and everything else. Um, and uh, go join his group on Facebook, uh, You Can't Handle the Movie. It's a fun time if you're still one of those Facebook group degenerates like we are. Um, you're more than welcome to come join in on the discussions. And it's a lot of fun. He's a great guy and I'm very glad I finally got to have him on. It's it's always fun when you have on people who are like big movie people and you get down all these rabbit holes and you end up making abhorrently long episodes like this one. Um, so on top of that, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, feel free to give us feedback, uh, give us a rating, give us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. And um Also, if you enjoy this, uh, feel free to follow us on Instagram at WeAreMoviesPod. You can also like the Facebook page, WeAreMovies. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Letterboxd at Johnny Mockney, J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-O-C-N-Y. That is all for today. I will be with you guys again next week. Until then... I hope everyone enjoys their quarantine as much as possible. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay alive, unless you're a Nazi. <laughs>